so thus far in this service, you ought to take an opportunity right now, amen, to give him praise. Hallelujah! You ought to give him praise. For he alone, amen, is worthy. I want to preach one verse in your presence today under the uh, anointing of the Holy Spirit of God. That verse is found in the recorded writings of Ezekiel the prophet. Ezekiel the prophet, chapter number 18, and verse number 20, here in the very presence of God. Hallelujah. Some of you are still turning. Man, isn't it wonderful to have all these modern amenities? Praise the Lord for air conditioning. Praise the Lord for padded pews. Amen, somebody. But thank God for a tangible copy of the Lord's Word. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Are you there? Amen. Let's read in the presence of God. The soul who sins shall die. The son shall not bear the guilt of the father, nor the father bear the guilt of the son. For the righteousness of the righteous shall be upon himself, and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon himself. God, would you add your blessing to your red word in the presence of this body of believers. We know that without your anointing, we're just an empty vessel. But Lord, the anointing is the burden-bearing, yoke-destroying power of God. Let it flow in the midst of us today to change lives for the glory of God and the advancement of his kingdom. In Jesus' name. We pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated in the Lord's presence. Is it okay if I just bring us up to speed? A little bit of where we are. Man, that Jerry Fuquay preached last Sunday morning, didn't he? We had a great time in the Lord. God moved. And we've had several great services. As we began to seek God, we began to pray in regards to direction about, about where we to go. I need to drop a couple bombshells on y'all. You ready? Need to, need to drop a couple bombshells. Next Sunday morning, the doors will open for membership. Amen. So any person who has met the qualifications and has a heart and desire, we want to welcome you into the family of God here at Harvest Church. I've said this over the pulpit, and I've said this both privately to respective individuals that I've been praying, and I've been seeking God with regard to our Daniel fast. I'm going to give you two weeks March 22nd, March 22nd, we're going to begin our 21-day Daniel fast. That means it will end on April 11, which is the Saturday before Easter Sunday. Somebody say, well, preacher, why did God impress you with those numbers? I, I don't know, but he did. And so we're going to declare March 22nd through April 11 as our 21-day Daniel fast. For all those willing to participate. Amen? I said it was some bombshells. You should have saw the looks on your faces. Don't forget the first Sunday of April. What's the first Sunday of April? First fruit offering. The first Sunday of April. Amen. I know God's blessing people. I've seen more cars with 30-day tags than I know what to tell you. So I know God's blessing people. But I want to minister into your heart today. It saddens me to even have to address a topic of this manner. But I want to use the topic of taming 
Jezebel. Taming Jezebel. You say, preacher, what, what, what does tame mean? Well, tame means that it's changed from a wild or a savage state to a submissive state. That's what it means. Praise the Lord. And as sad as it is for me to report this, but there are many spirits of Jezebel roaming throughout the earth today. You give me time and I'm going to bring us up to speed. The Bible tells us that Ezekiel in the year around 571 B.C. Ezekiel, the son of Buzzi, a Zedekite priest. Amen. He is set up to follow his father in the priesthood. When at about 30 years of age, how many know that that's about the time that they were made priest? Around 30 years of age. And when Ezekiel had reached uh, 30 years of age, he was ready to be initiated in the priesthood. But God had other plans. God said, I want to call you to a greater office. And that office is the office of prophet. The Bible tells us that Ezekiel prophesied for more than 20 years to the Jews who were in captivity in the land of Babylonia. His purpose in writing is to announce the judgment of God on the nation of Israel and other nations while at the same time foretelling of the salvation of the people of God. I wonder how many of us know today that each one of us is fully responsible for what we believe. Do we understand that? That we are all held fully responsible or accountable for what we believe. It doesn't matter how much we've been influenced by others. It could be others' behaviors, others' beliefs. We could be influenced by others' habits. We could be even influenced by those uh, aspects of our parents' nature. But how many of us know that we're going to be held accountable for what we believe? What we believe. J.P. Moreland is a Christian philosopher. When I think of a philosopher, I think of a, a deep thinker. The Bible tells us that the Greeks were some of the first people to establish colleges and universities in the world. No wonder in school we, we study Greek philosophy because Greeks are deep thinkers. J.P. Moreland is a Christian philosopher, and this is what he says about evil. He says, evil is a lack of goodness. It is goodness spoiled. Get this. You can have good without evil, but you cannot have evil without good. Amen? That took some deep thought. Deep thought. Greg Kokel is a Christian apologist. When you say, well, what is, a, what is an apologist? He's a defender of something that's controversial. That's what an apologist is. And Greg Kokel writes, human freedom was used in such a way as to diminish goodness in the world. And that diminution or that reduction, that lack of goodness is what we call evil. Do you know that in the beginning, man did not even have a sin nature? Y'all help me now. In the beginning, Adam didn't know anything about sin. Eve didn't know anything about sin. All she had, all he had, Brother Marty, was a God consciousness. That's all they had. They didn't even have a sin consciousness. But evil, my friend, originated in the master scheme of Satan, 
to deceive Adam and Eve by partaking of the forbidden fruit. And they did so and they became sin conscious. They became aware of sin. The Bible says, I'm paraphrasing, God came down to converse with Adam in the cool of the day, just like he'd always done. But he called out to Adam, and he said, Adam, where are you? And Adam wouldn't answer. Why? Because he was hiding, or thought he was hiding from God. He was hiding because of what? He was guilty of sin is charged, and he was ashamed for violating the law of God. Isn't that right? Now, I've said it before and it bears repeating. I'll say it till I die. There is a guilt consciousness that's associated with sin. If you can sin and don't feel no guilt, you're above every other human on the planet. Hallelujah. And you're already in the deepest trouble imaginable if you can sin and have no guilt that accompanies that. Oh, my God, somebody. I believe with all my heart that evil just doesn't include sin committed against other people. Evil includes the sins that are committed against God. This is my faith. And in reality, there can be both a physical evil and a moral evil. Are you with me? Well, what's a physical evil? Well, a physical evil can be associated with something like natural disasters, like a, like a car wreck, like a hurricane, like an earthquake. That's, that's physical evil. It's trouble that befalls people in the world, and it may not be directly linked to moral evil. Well, what is moral evil? Moral evil is the wrong done to others that can, amen, exist unaccompanied by any external action. That's what moral evil is. Turn with me to Matthew 7. Verses 20 through 23. And Jesus gives us more insight on, praise God, this type of behavior. Matthew 7, verse 20. And he said, who? Jesus. This is written in red in your Bible. These are the words of Jesus. And he said, what comes out of a man that defiles a man? For from within, somebody say from Within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders. Where at? Out of the heart. He said there are thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lewdness, and evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile a man. Is that good preaching? Jesus covers the range of evil that resides or that lives or takes up residence inside the hearts of who? Believers? No, the hearts of unrepentant human beings who consciously decide every day to live apart from God. Hallelujah. Can I talk about Jezebel for a moment? She was a wicked woman. She was a wicked woman. Now, how many of y'all heard your grandma say, get back in that house looking like Jezebel? Y'all better help me now. Some of you sanctified girls in here had to hide your pants 
in your backpack till you got to school and went in the bathroom and put them on with nobody looking because your family was so holy. Y'all better hear me what I'm saying. Hallelujah, somebody. I went to school with individuals. Their mamas and daddies and their faith was so righteous before God, their young'uns couldn't hardly walk and chew-chewing them at the same time. What they'd do is hide pants in their, amen, in their school belongings. And when they got to school, amen, they'd retreat to a bathroom somewhere and put on them britches. If their daddy or mama would have came to that school, oh my, there'd have been some consequences and repercussions. Are you hearing me? I'm telling the truth, amen, whether it's old me or old, amen, amen, I'm telling the truth. Praise the Lord. Get back in that house looking like Jezebel. Listen, the Bible makes it very, very clear that this woman, on one occasion, we'll get to that a little bit, a little bit later, she adorns herself. She's trying to fool somebody, but how many know you can't fool God? Amen. Glory to God, hallelujah. We'll find out about that a little bit later. Well, who is she? Amen, Jezebel. This is the name. Listen, the name Jezebel is synonymous with the word evil. Because when you mention that name, Ain't nobody lining up at the hospital named their baby girl Jezebel. Is that good? There ain't a soul lining up at the hospital. I'm going to name her Jezebel. Why? Because that name is connected with the word evil. She was wicked. She was morally wrong. And, and glory to God, what, what was she doing? She was always intending to do harm to someone else. That's how she was. And in spiritual circles... We have cloned the phrase, the spirit of Jezebel. We need to know that it's nothing more than the spirit of Satan himself. Because you won't find a good attribute, you won't find a good character trait that this woman ever possessed. Preach, Pastor. She was wicked. She was wicked. She was the daughter of the priest king, Ithbaal, who was the ruler of the Phoenician cities of Tyre and Sidon. They resided on the Mediterranean coastline north of Jerusalem. They were a very heathen people. Preach, Pastor. Very heathen. But let me tell you how much this woman hated anything that had God attached to it. Y'all follow me? 1 Kings chapter 18, verse number 4. This woman, the first thing she does after she marries Ahab is does what? She massacred the prophets of the Lord. Had the prophets of God killed. But Obadiah had taken a hundred prophets and hid them. Fifty to a cave and had fed them with bread and with water. Somebody say thank God. When the devil looks like he's winning. Amen. We're still on top. This woman wanted to annihilate anybody that wanted to promote the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. In this absolute display of hatred, she kills the prophet. She, amen, she was definitely her daddy's daughter. That apple didn't fall too far from the tree. How can you say that? Well, because she, in a power-hungry rage, murdered, amen, the prophets of God. Murdered the prophets of God. Why did she do this? Number one, she defied the God of heaven. She didn't want to hear anything about the God of heaven and would do anything possible to annihilate anybody who said anything about the God of heaven. But she had some fierce opposition. Anybody know who he was? He was the prophet Elijah. 
the prophet Elijah. This man became this woman's most powerful opposition. Are you with me? Look at verse number 13 of that same chapter. 1 Kings 18 and 13. Was it not reported to my Lord what I did when Jezebel killed the prophets of the Lord? How I hid 100 men of the Lord's prophets, 52 a cave, and I fed them with bread and water. So God didn't allow them to all be wiped out. God's going to always have a people, church. Hallelujah. God's going to always have a people. It may be in, 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 in comparison. It may be just a small, minute number compared to all those he's delivered. I want you to know that everybody that came out of Egypt didn't go into the land of Canaan. It didn't happen. Many of them died in the wilderness. Oh, hallelujah to God. Preach, preacher, preach. Listen, let's look at 1 Kings 19, verses 1 and 2. 1 Kings 19, 1 and 2. This is Ahab. Who is Ahab? He's the husband of Jezebel. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had executed all the prophets with the sword. Don't you know she's beaming? She's just glowing because she feels she's succeeded. She feels she's won. But then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so let the gods do to me. And more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. Now, anybody remember what happened in the preceding chapter? Well, what happens in the preceding chapter is they ascend on Mount Carmel. Glory to God, I feel my help now. Amen. And they had sent about 450 prophets of Baal. And they said, we're going to have a contest. Amen. And the real God, he's going to answer by fire. Is anybody listening this morning as I preach to you in the house of God? And the Bible said that Elijah said, all right, I'll give you first shot. I'll let you have your opportunity. Amen. So they erected this order and they begin to call on Baal. Oh, but Baal must have been on vacation. He must have been sleeping somewhere because he did not attend uh, to the cries of his prophet. But what happened to the man of God? He said, I'll tell you, we're going to up you one and we're not only going to erect that order, not only are we going to, amen, dig a trench around it, but we're going to soak that sacrifice and we're going to fill that trench up with water and then we're going to call on the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And the Bible said that when they were cutting themselves because they had no response, that Elijah called on the fire of God. Are y'all with me? Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. This is the acid test right here, brother. This lets people know if you got the works, if you're the real deal, amen, if you're some copycat, amen, or you're some counterfeit. Why? Because if Elijah had not been connected to the God of heaven and earth, when he called down fire, he wouldn't have seen nothing but smoke. But how many know that the Bible said that when he called, amen, out to God, that that fire, it came down, it devoured the sacrifice, amen, and it licked up all the water that was in the trench. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. This woman was so enraged after Elijah's defeat of 450 prophets on the Mount Carmel that she swears, I'm going to kill you by tomorrow this time. Are you listening? That's what she said. First Kings 19 too. It's going to happen by tomorrow this time. Some of y'all said, yeah, but God just used that man to defeat 450 prophets of Baal. 
And a woman says, I'm going to kill you by tomorrow. And he runs. Okay? Yes, he did. He ran. The man of God that God used to perform 16 miracles in his earthly life. He ran. But I'll tell you something else he did. He had a connection with heaven. Amen to God. He had a relationship with God that was unparalleled. Are you listening? And the Bible said he went by the brook Kirith. And the Bible said while hiding there that God sent a canaverous bird, a raven. Anybody know what ravens are? They look like real big crows. Are you following me? And the Bible said that every day, Brother Mike, that God sent that canaveris, that flesh-eating bird, to drop the man of God down meat in the wilderness by the brook. Amen. But let me tell you something. There's going to come a time, Brother Homer, that the brook's going to dry up. Are you with me, saints of God? There's going to come a time, amen, that God wants to move you from one place to another. And that's what happened to the prophet of God. The brook dried up. And amen, to sustain his life, he had to move on, Brother Tyler. He had to move on. He had to move on. This woman was wicked. But how many know you and an army can't stop God? Oh, my, that was puny, y'all. I said, how many know you and an army can't stop God? Some of us get terrified because we're tempted of the devil. And, oh, my God, we got to blow the telephone up and tell this, that, and the third to pray for us. I want you to know you ought to pray for yourself. Amen. David encouraged himself in the Lord. Sometimes you can't reach the preacher. Sometimes you can't reach your prayer warrior. So sometimes you got to bombard heaven for yourself. You've got to bombard heaven for yourself. How wicked was this woman? Uh, man, we ain't even scratched the surface of how devilish this woman was. This woman was so devilish that Naboth the Jezreelitess had a vineyard. And you know what happened to it, Brother Khan? It budded right up to the palace, right up to the property line of King Ahab. You know what? He looked out over that thing. He saw how lush and beautiful it was. And he said, I want it. This is how Jezebel was. The Bible tells me, Brother Joey, what she wanted, she went after. And she killed to get it. But how many know God's got a book? And he's writing it all down. Hallelujah. I feel my help now. Hallelujah. That vineyard butted up to the palace of Ahab. And Ahab went out there and he said to Naboth, the Jezreelitess, I want to buy this vineyard. I'm talking to somebody in this room. Holy Ghost, help me. I don't know who I'm speaking directly to, but you need to go to Lowe's, amen, before the sun sets. And you need to put up some not for sale signs on your yard. I don't know who I'm talking to. But I know through an unction of the Spirit, I'm talking to somebody. Amen. Don't you tell me the devil ain't after you if you're trying to advance the kingdom of God. Don't you tell me that the devil don't lease all the imps of hell after you when you're doing a good work for God. Don't you tell me. I know. I know. Uh, Lowe's wasn't open, neither was the Home Depot. But Naboth said it's not for sale. Help me, Holy Ghost. You say what happened? Well, the king went in and he was pretty distraught over what had happened. He was pouting. You know that thing we do sometimes. Pout. You, you want to see an ugly thing? Watch a grown man pout. That's one ugly something. You know what 
You know what pouting is when you don't get your way. My mama said, you can run your lips out to park a car on it, but you ain't having your way. Hello? You know how you are in a store when you want something and mama wants? Pouting. Boy, it's an ugly thing to see a grown man pout. Because you know what he is? He ain't no man. He's a wimp. That's what he is. He's a wimp. So guess what happens to Ahab? He goes in and he's pretty sad that Naboth has erected the not for sale sign and he, amen, his countenance displays his displeasure, Brother Charlie, and not being able to get that beautiful vineyard. And you know what Jezebel said? Don't worry about it. I get it for you. This is the Bible, folks. This is the Bible. This woman was demonic. This woman was sent from hell itself. Are you with me? And I'm going to tell you one thing right now. I would never stay with a woman like that. You hear me? The Bible said it's better to live on the roof than to dwell in the house with a contentious woman. I didn't say it. The Bible said it. You know what I found out a long time ago? They can't argue to themselves. My daddy said, boy, it ain't but one way to whip a woman. He said, get your hat and leave. Preach on, preacher. Jezebel said, don't worry about it. I'll get it for you. In the back of her mind, she was saying, you wimp. She was so full of the devil in the back of her mind, she was saying, you're weak. Help me, somebody. Brother, in the back of her mind, she was saying, you're pathetic. You're weak because if you were a man, you'd go take it. You're the king. Who can oppose you? And you know what happened? This woman devised a scheme and had Naboth murdered so she and Ahab could have his garden. Uh-oh, somebody. How many know God got a book? Preach on preacher. Hallelujah. Let me tell you something. A, a weak husband, amen, is a disaster in the making. Preach on, preacher. Y'all need to hurry up and turn to the book of Ephesians because that's where I'm going next in chapter number five. And we're going to discover some of Paul's writings in Ephesians chapter number five. You want a, rest, a recipe for a disastrous marriage? Just be, you husbands be weak and act like a child and pout over not getting your way. And you know what it'll do? It'll allow your bully of a wife to rule over your house. I ain't scared to call a bully a bully. You understand what I'm saying? And the first thing I'll tell an individual is I don't know who you think you are, but I know God's well who I am. And I ain't got no yellow stripe painted up my back for you to roll over like the highway, so you better listen. And you better listen up now. And don't you holler at me. Holler is my profession. Are you with me? I can holler with the best of them. I should have went to Spivey's Corner. And entered the hollering contest. Them boys on my job, I tell you right quick, and you can tell when something don't set right with the preacher, he'll go to hollering. Are you there? Ephesians 5, 22. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the... Can I stop right there? For the husband is the head of the wife. 
That don't mean an unsaved husband. That means a believer. That means somebody in Jesus Christ. I'm not talking about wives submit. That means, the word submit means to yield to the authority of another. Ain't that what the Bible means? How many of you also know that Paul writes there's no difference between us, male and female, Gentile and Jew? How many know Paul wrote that? And how many know that God views us as equal whether ERA does or not? Hello, somebody. He views us as equal. Some of you guys are sitting there now already blaring your chest. The Bible says you got to submit to me. I'm, hey, look at here, boy. I can pick up on stuff like that. Yeah, but you missed the end of the verse. The end of the verse says that you submit to the Lord. Uh-oh, somebody. Can I roll on? Let me roll on. For the husband is the head of the wife. And Bible study one night, woman said, no, he ain't. I said, yes, he is. She said, not in my Bible. I said, you must have ripped out the page. Because my Bible says that the husband is head of the wife as also Christ is head of the church. And he is the savior of the body. You men walking around talking about, you know what, when I put my foot down, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. You're going to make it hard for her to love you. It's quiet up in here, up in here. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. This is talking about, amen to God, the duties that wives and husbands perform one to another. This ain't meaning she's supposed to bow down to you like you some king. Some of y'all would fool your husband if you make him fix his own plate. You'd fool him if you made him wash his own clothes. No, 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 you wouldn't. You wouldn't. Because he'd wash the colors with white just so, just so you'd say, you sorry, rascal, you ain't washing no more clothes. You had to watch these men. They're, they're, they're pretty tactful. Are you with me? Then he tells us in the next verse, husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. Amen. That he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands are to love their own wives as their own bodies. For he who loves his wife loves himself. Glory to God. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it as the Lord does the church. Amen. Glory to God. That's the truth of the word if it's ever been written. But let me tell you what unsubmissive wives do. They make it difficult for their husbands to love them. And vice versa. Vice versa. Husbands are to love their wives unconditionally and sacrificially. Let's dissect that last verse. Because I'm getting ready to surprise some of y'all. That it, within the context of that passage of scripture from verse 22 to about verse 30, 31... There are four verses of instruction that address who? Women. But there are nine verses that instruct the man. Oh, God, help me now. I done dug a deep hole. Let's look at that last verse. 
No one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes. That word in the Greek is where we get our English word, nutrition. How many know what that involves? You know what they used to say down in the country? Something to eat. Come on, get you something to eat. Man, I didn't know what in the world that was. My mama used to say, come into me. I thought it was one word. She said it so fast. And you know when she said it? Most of the time when I'd done something wrong. When I had no business doing it. Mama said, come into me. And then we had a big family. So when she said, something teats on the table, hey, brother, you scrambled. You got there, preach, pastor. The Greek word that translates in the English language as nutrition is where we get what Paul is saying. Paul is saying she nourishes. When you think about nourishing somebody you love, what, 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 what do you think about? You think about providing for them. Am I right? You think about making sure their needs are met. Oh, Lord, somebody. This is deep now. Hang on. Then as we continue to dissect that verse, we find that the word cherish comes from a Greek term that describes the way a nurse tenderly cares for a sick patient or a mother, a newborn infant child. What did Paul say? But nourish and cherishes it just as, just as the Lord does the church. What's that trying to say? God is taking care of my every need. The basic necessities of life. God's taking care of that. And he loves me like I'm a sick patient or a newborn baby. Ain't that good preaching? Boy, sometimes ain't nothing no better than the smell of a newborn baby. Y'all get this? Amen. Man, I just love to hug them and caress on them. Smooch under their cheeks. I'm just like the rest of you. I ain't too fond of changing diapers, but, you know, in the end, it all comes together. Isn't that right? Something special about babies. I believe babies add to our years. I really do. I can't hardly wait till I can take them three grand boys of mine fishing. I can't hardly wait. When I think about cherishing and nourishing, Brother Dwayne said he couldn't take but about seven papas. He told me them grand boys would get to word of papa, 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 papa. He said, son, all right, you're about to get your limit. Then he testified that he had one that would turn his face and said, now you hear me talking to you. Praise the Lord. God's children are a blessing. But I want to tell you that this wicked woman Jezebel, her 30 years of cruel and oppressive rule don't end so pretty. Didn't I tell you God had a book? Does God not have a book? Well, let's go to 2 Kings chapter 9, verses 30 through 37. And we're going to discover the gruesome ending of Jezebel. Jehu had come to Jezreel, and Jezebel heard about it, and she put pain on her eyes. This is where you get it. This is, this is, 
you shouldn't wear makeup. This is where your grandmas get it from. I'm just trying to tell you. Somebody interpreted this right here for your grandma and said you women shouldn't wear makeup. You shouldn't walk around here with your face painted. And you shouldn't cut your hair. And your frocks ought to drag the ground. And the sleeves ought to come all the way down to your wrists. Preach, pastor. Because that's what makes you holy. That is a pure lie. Well, the Bible said a woman ain't supposed to wear clothes pertaining to a man. In the biblical setting in which that was written, men didn't wear breeches. Uh-oh. Amen or oh-ho-ho-me. Preach, Pastor, preach. I can tell you one thing right now. I can't wear my wife's breeches and she can't wear mine. You want to know why? They're cut differently. Preach, boy. <laughs> Hallelujah to God. Boy, you're going to get some rave reviews on this one. This is where they get it from. She put paint on her eyes and adorned her head and looked through a window. When Jehu entered the gate, she said, It is peace, Zimri, murderer of your master. And he looked up at the window. And he said, who's on my side? Who? Two or three eunuchs looked at him. Then he said, throw her down. And they threw her down. Some of her blood splattered on the wall and on the horses, and he trampled her underfoot. Y'all getting this? And when he gone in, he ate and drank. This was Jehu. Jehu was the first speeder in the Bible. Did y'all know that? Because he drove his chariot furiously. That's what the Bible said. He was fast. The Bible said after this happened, he went in and he ate and he drank. And then he said, go now and see to this accursed woman, this devil. Go bury her. She was a king's daughter. He was given respect even when she didn't deserve it, as devilish as she was, he thought a proper burial would be the right thing to do. But they went to bury her, and here's what they found. No more than her skull, her feet, and the palms of her hands. Why? Because they came back and told him, and he said, this is the word of the Lord. Are y'all getting this? Which he spake by his servant Elijah, the Tishbite, saying, On the plot of ground at Jezreel's dog shall eat the flesh of Jezebel. And the corpse of Jezebel shall be as the refuse of the surface of the field in the plot of Jezreel, so that they shall not say, Here lies Jezebel. The prophet foretold of this. That same man that ran scared to death. He prophesied you're going to die and the dogs are going to eat your flesh. Did it happen? Just like he said. 
And even though Jehu thought to give her a proper funeral, the prophet said when they walk by, it ain't even going to be like you ever existed. There's not going to be a memorial stone set up for you where people are going to recognize and or acknowledge Jezebel. Go ahead, preacher. Why? Because this woman was full of the devil. They didn't have anything to bury but her skull, her feet, and the palms of her hands. That's why you think you can get away with all the evil you plot against the people of God? You got a rude awakening. You got a rude awakening. So what are you saying, pastor? Here's what I'm saying. This is the possible fate of those who defy the living God. Isn't that what she did? That's what she did. Because I want to tell you something about the power of God. <laughs> it's sovereign. There's no devil, no demon, nothing that's going to withstand the power of God. Can I talk about the sin nature of us as individuals for a minute? Can I talk about it? Who said I was born in iniquity and in my sin did my mother conceive me? David said that in Psalms 51. You know what else David said in Psalm 51? God restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Huh? So we all have a sin nature. Sin is classified as all unrighteousness. Nature, nature itself connects directly to the word character. And what's the character of an individual? The character of an individual are the moral and mental qualities that are distinctive to us as individuals. And people like to holler, you got the nature of this, you got, let me tell you whose nature you got. You got your own nature. Somebody go to holler and they can't do right. They got the nature of this. They got the nature of that. Let me tell you something. Didn't the Bible tell us in, a, in our verse that we read today that the, the sins of the, the son are not going to be accountable to the father, neither the sins of the father are accountable to the son? Who are our sins going to be accountable to? S-C-L-F. Self. They're going to be charged to us as individuals. Now, we say these crazy things all the time, just like I've mentioned earlier in this service. Apple don't fall too far from the tree. They're just like their mama. They're just like their daddy, so on and so forth. Now, now listen, we've all got our own sin nature, but I believe we can inherit certain qualities from our parents without a doubt. Without a doubt, I believe we can. Why? Because we're exposed to it over the process of time that we begin to develop into almost the person they are. It happens. Amen. That's the truth, says Dr. Dine. Behavior is learned. But let me tell you something about my little grandson right there. Oh, trust me, as sweet and adorable as he is right now, he's got a sin nature. Because you know what Proverbs said? I told somebody, I said, he's just like his mama. I said, when she was a baby, all she did was smile and laugh all the time. I thought about nicknaming her Smiley. I'm, I'm just telling you, she was the happiest little thing I'd ever seen. But let me tell you what the wise man of God said in the book of Proverbs. Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. But the rod of correction will drive it far from him. I got saved when I was 13, and by that time, Mama beat all the devil out of me. Praise the Lord, somebody. We've got a sin nature. That's the aspect of us or the characteristic of us of human being that makes us rebellious against God. Can I preach this? 
This references the fact now, friend, you can argue with me all you want to, won't it? You can argue with me till you turn blue in the face. But this supports the fact that we are born with a natural inclination to sin. You ain't got to teach somebody how to do wrong. It's automatic. Preach, preacher. Why would I say that? I say that we're ha we have a natural inclination to sin because presented the opportunity to do right or do wrong, most commonly, what are we going to do? We're going to do wrong. It's in us. But it can be salvaged. Somebody say, thank God for salvation. Woo, glory to God. Didn't Nicodemus go to Jesus wondering if he could be remodeled? And what did Jesus say? You must be born again. You must be born again. So we have a sin nature, my friend. Glory to God. We, we most commonly would choose to assert our own will over the will of God. You want to know why? Because to do the will of God, it takes obedience. My son said to me, I hate rules. This was years ago. Years ago, still just a child. And he said to me, I hate rules. And I said, son, do you have any idea what our society would be like without rules? Do you, Daddy, they make you wear your shirt tail in at school. Well, you ought to. I don't want to see your brand of underwear. Somebody told me that recently you'll get a, you'll get a ticket in South Carolina for sagging. I said, thank God. Thank God. Now to bring you to, amen, don't know what sagging is. To bring y'all up to speed, I'm going to try to dress this up as pretty as I can. It's when a young man will take it upon himself to drop his pants below his buttocks. And then, why wear a belt? Why wear a belt if you're going to wear your pants? I don't, I don't want to see your buttocks. And I certainly don't want to see the brand of underwear you wear. I told my son, walk in this house one more time like that, and you're going to regret it. I'm going to kick you so hard, you'll taste leather. And ask him, did it happen? Amen. And he don't sag anymore. Some of y'all are like, that's cruel. That's cruel. Maybe that's what some of your children's lacking. A swift kick in the britches. I got to move on. This is going podcast. Hallelujah. To do the will of God takes obedience. Am I right? To do the will of God requires obedience. Look at Romans 5 and 12. If you don't believe what I'm telling you, I want to support what I'm telling you by Scripture. Paul said to the church at Rome, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men, because all sinned we have a natural inclination to do wrong this is the bible you can get mad with me all you want to but it's the bible i know some of you think your children are little angels but if you could sit in a classroom one day you'd get a rude awakening sister nicole if they went to lumberton high school lord have that's a war zone 20-some hundred children. Yeah. 
many of whom their parents have never taken an opportunity to bring them to the house of God. What do you, what kind of attitude do you think will surface out of a group like that? That's, that's why I'm grateful God didn't call me into the education profession. Hallelujah. I pray for them. Let me tell you what our connection with Adam does. Our connection with Adam results in death. Because Adam is the first man that introduced sin into the world. Preach, Pastor. No, no, no. Satan was the original violator of the righteousness of God. Yes, he was. But it was through one man that sin entered in the world. And that man's name was Adam. Anytime that we hear we're connected with Adam, we know it produces death. But anytime we hear that we're connected with Jesus Christ, it produces life. Praise the Lord, somebody. Listen to what Arthur Conan Doyle says. He said, it's a wicked world. And when a clever man turns his brain to crime, it is the worst of all. It's the worst of all. You don't have to worry about practicing evil. Evil is in you. It's in all of us. That's right. Sin nature is in all of us. But thank God for Jesus Christ, amen, for the wonderful gift of salvation because the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 5 and 21 that God made him who knew no sin, amen, to be made sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. What is that saying? Oh, God. Let me pause for a second. What that's saying is, is that Jesus Christ exchanged his righteousness for the sins of all of humanity. And that through his sacrificial death, through confession and repentance of sin, we receive the wonderful gift of salvation connecting us with eternal life. Is anybody grateful? Hallelujah. I know what you're saying in your heart. In your heart you're saying, but pastor, just before that, the Bible tells me in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, therefore, if any man be in Christ. Huh? Read it out loud. Old things have passed away. Let me stop right there. Let me stop. And I just want to poll you. I just want to ask you a question. Can I ask you a question? When you got saved, did the desire of everything you used to do leave? I mean, I'm just, I'm just throwing that out there. Because here's the general misconception. When you become a new creation or creature in Christ, old things pass away, behold, all things become new. This does not mean that temptation no longer exists. Am I right? It does not mean that temptation no longer exists. It does not mean that the lust and the carnal thoughts that I have disappear. It does not mean that those things dissolve or just vanish. In thin air. Am I right? How many know that salvation is a process? 
Salvation is a continual process. Why did Paul say work it out daily? Work out your own soul salvation daily. He said to the church in the provinces of Galatia, I'm crucified with Christ, but yet I live. Not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God. Isn't that right? Wouldn't you love for your old nature to have disappeared when you came to Jesus Christ? But Brother Randy, the truth of the matter is sometimes we can be pushed and pushed and pushed and part of our old nature will rise right up. My mother used to say this, God rest her soul, I believe she's going to be with the Lord. She said, you want to see just how much salvation somebody's got? You let them get mad and you'll see. I said, Mama, I don't believe in people getting mad now. When I think of something mad, I think about a rabid animal. I think about, you know, somebody, I don't know a better way to say this, but foaming from the mouth, you know. I, 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 think, of, I think of an animal. So then I immediately revert to what Jesus said, be ye angry and sin not. That means that you are still in control. Right? Now the Lord didn't, listen, God didn't make us for people to misunderstand meekness as weakness. Oh Lord. Got right quiet. That's, that's entirely different. Don't ever mistake a Christian who is meek as being weak. Because we often see Jesus, we see the passive Christ. Jesus loving on the little children. Taking time for the lesser fortune. That, 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 that's how we see Jesus, right? Just generally speaking. But what happened when he strolled up that day and saw? <laughs> Hallelujah. What happened when he strolled up there, Brother Ernie, and saw the money changers and the sellers of dove? Taking advantage of the poor people. Huh? What happened then? The Bible said he overturned the table of the money changers. And then he took time to braid a whip of cords and he ran them out of the temple saying, my house shall be called. Y'all ain't even with me. But what have you done? You have made it a den of thieves. That's how we need to see Jesus at times. Because Jesus will check us. Preach, preacher. You see, as a Christian, with the help of the Spirit, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 means that I will align myself with the will of God. The musicians are coming. We're going to submit. We're going to yield to the will and authority of another. Taming the spirit of Jezebel. Amen. After we deal with the sin nature, we've got to deal with evil actions. We've got to deal with evil actions. Another definition of the word evil is profoundly immoral and wicked. That's another definition of the word evil. I can't remember where we were recently and who actually told my wife this. But they said, you ought to watch the trials of Gabriel Fernandez who was an eight-year-old boy 
who was tortured and killed in 2013, get this, by his mother and her boyfriend. Now, when you begin to watch this on Netflix and you begin to see the injury inflicted on that little boy, And you grow to understand the number of people that were familiar with his situation and did nothing about it. It'll infuriate you. Are you following me? Something will rise up inside of you because that poor innocent child was made to eat cat feces. And shot with a BB gun in the face. And all over his body. What in the world, church, have we come to? What kind of people are we? That sin nature provoking us to evil action. You think you know yourself. You don't know you. The Bible said you don't know your heart. Jeremiah said the heart is deceitfully wicked above all things. And no man knows it. But thank God, the Lord knows the heart. He said through the prophet, I searched the heart. And I tried the reins. What does that mean, saints? Every crevice of our innermost being, God knows. I saw this thing. I told my wife, I said, I can't take it. I just, I can't take that. I can't take it. She said he had other siblings, but they were terrified. They, 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 they wouldn't say anything because they were afraid that they would be inflicted with the same injury. I'm just going to be real with y'all. I'm just going to tell you now. I thank God the Lord let me be born when I was. I don't have a high pain tolerance. Can I just tell you that? I don't have a high pain tolerance. I really don't. And I'm not ashamed to say that. Because some people try to man up. And they try to mask pain. This is what I told my wife. I said, the Lord knew what he was doing when he let me be born when I was or I'd already be dead. Because what I can't stand is I can't stand to see a child mistreated or an elderly person abused. I can't stand that, brother. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but I, I would have to do something. I would have to do something. And if, if you research this and you find the body of evidence that was presented and you see all the hands all the people that were exposed to this little boy's case and sat back and did nothing till he died. What in the world? What have we come to? We're not people. We're animals. It's just the truth. It broke my heart, man. I'm going to just tell you right now, I can't take, I can't take things like that. 
God had a purpose in allowing me to be born when I was. Can't stand to see people mistreated or taken advantage of. And I began to research and I began to look at other people. I, I looked at Jeffrey Dahmer who was called the Milwaukee murderer. You remember Jeffrey Dahmer? Jeffrey Dahmer made national news. Why? Because he killed and dismembered 17 men and boys from 1978 to 1991. He was killed in prison. Richard Ramirez. He was also known as the Night Stalker for his home invasion murders in the state of California where he killed 14 people from 1984 to 1985. Oh, it's not just men. It's not just men. Jezebel wasn't the only wicked woman that ever lived. Say, Pastor, how do you know? Because Dorothea Puente, the black widow of San Francisco, I'm sorry, Sacramento, the black widow of Sacramento, what did she do? She ran a boarding house for the elderly and the disabled. You know what she did? She killed 15 people after cashing their social security checks for years in a boarding house for the elderly and mentally disabled. Friend, what kind of world are we living in? The spirit of Jezebel has gripped our society. I'm going to get what I want no matter who suffers the consequences. But Jesus tells us in Mark 7, 21, he makes known the place where these behaviors originate, doesn't he? He said, out of the heart of men. Out of the heart of men. Stand with me all over this building. You say, preacher, I want to know the key to gaining victory over struggles in life. Can I tell you the key? The key to obtaining victory over struggles in life is the faithfulness of God. The faithfulness of God. Because here's what he said in Psalm 46 and 1. Here's what he says. He said, God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in trouble. What about it today, friend? What about it? Do we have a God that we can depend on? Do we have a God that's faithful to his word? We have a God today, Brother Charlie, who sits at our disposal. Even in the face of utter destruction, we need not be afraid because the Lord is our eternal refuge. God provides strength in any circumstance. I wish I could tell you today that after coming to know the Lord that the impulse, the urge, or desire to sin would go away, but it won't. It won't because Satan will still be tempting us. James 1 and 14 
He tells us we can't blame anybody else. We can't put this off on our daddy. My daddy was this way, so I got to be this way. My mama was this way, so I got to be this way. James says we're tempted when we're drawn away by our own desires. Our own, one translation says lust, and then we are enticed. That's the Bible, saints, whether we want to accept that reality or not. James says we can't place that fault on any other individual except ourselves. That's where the fault lies. And if we're not careful, in my closing, if we're not careful, we'll be deceived by our own desires. We'll be entangled in a web of sin. And we will face eternity separated from God. That's the truth. That's the truth. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed all over this building. I wonder who under my voice today would be honest right here today, clearly transparent in the very presence of God. And lift your hands and say, I'm struggling with some things in my life. I'm talking to the church. Lift your hands and say, I'm struggling with some things in my life right now. God bless these hands. Hands going up all over the building. So I know, I know today that God spoke this word into my heart. Pastor, I'm struggling with some things in my life. And I want to know the key to victory. I want to know how to overcome. I want to know. Submit to the mighty hand of God. Yield yourself to His will and authority. Any person that raised your hand today, the altar of God is open if you should wish to come. I know that by the, by the showing of hands that I saw raised in this building, I know without a doubt today that God has spoken to the hearts of individuals. And I don't want to hinder the work of the Holy Ghost because God is here today to set you free. God's here to liberate you if you'll only come in faith. Who'll come? Who'll come today in the very presence of the Lord? Spirit break Mighty work, hallelujah. Break our wall.